Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, let's look at this century, Michelle. Since the turn of the century from January 30th of... 2000 until through uh, June 24th of last year. You had the Rams winning a Super Bowl with St. Louis and Mike Jones, a Mizzou grad, making the tackle. So you you had the local uh, flavor there. Then, as you mentioned, 2011 in the World Series. Not only did we have David Mm Freeze hitting the home run, you have Joe Buck making the call with an homage to his father, the voice of St. Louis for so long, Jack Buck, at Bush Stadium as the Cardinals, you know, they didn't complete it that night, but on their way to Game 7 to eventually win a World Series and a very improbable run to to that championship. And Freeze wins MVP of the yep. NLCS and the World Series. Yep. And then last year. With our St. Louis Blues. There were so, I mean, yes, we always kind of look at that Pat Maroon goal and the hand pass game. There are certain tent poles mm-hmm. to that. Blues championship run that we'll always initially remember. The St. Louis, I'm a hometown hero, baby. Mm -hmm. Pat Maroon knocking it in a double overtime to send the Blues to the next round. But there were so many little moments in that Blues run that were special and that were stories onto themselves. And when you think about the fact that that game happened in St. Louis, that the David Freeze game happened in St. Louis, I just wonder, as far as magical moments with the teams that we've had here, if we might have peaked. I don't know if we've peaked, but, well, maybe we have because I was going to say it can't get any better. So maybe we could have something tied for first, but not only us, but think about the possibility of this happening for other cities. What's the likelihood of another city, especially a North American city, having St. Louisans or people from that city, call both of them calling the call? of a championship like Curbs and Joey did. Mm-hmm. We're the only city that has a native St. Louis and calling the World Series. Right. And then the, the likelihood of having people from those cities, and I'm including Los Angeles, I'm including Chicago, I'm including Dallas in this, of those people being heroes at championship moments with a guy from their city calling it. It's, the odds are enormous against that happening. Yeah, we promised we wouldn't do math on this show, but the probability is not great for that happening. Not once, but twice, but essentially three times in the same, what'd you say, the same decade? Well, the same century. Same century, yeah. we went from Super Bowl to World Series to Stanley Cup Championship. It's just, it's not going to happen. And as you said, and what started this is think of those special memories that we have that we have the tackle and Mike Bush's great call with the the Rams winning, and then we have the call with Joe that we remember. And everybody in St. Louis remembers where they were when Freeze hit that home run. And then 
the call with Curbs and Joey last year as the Blues counts down or as Maroon scores the, the game-winning goal. It's just amazing to think about it in those terms. And I don't think there is another city in North America that could have what we have. I don't think so either. And after 2011, that run, Rally Squirrel, Happy Flight, Freeze, we'll see you tomorrow night, all of those things that happened in that run, I thought I will never see anything like this again in my lifetime. The stories that came from this, the probability of this happening, this was a once in a lifetime thing. And then come your St. Louis Blues and they said, hold my beer. You want to talk about a magical story? We'll, mm-hmm. we'll give you one and we'll have that hometown flavor too. And if you want to... Add some more context to it from a state standpoint. We get this text from the 636. You think about the Royals winning in 2015. You think about the Chiefs mm-hmm. winning the Super Bowl this year. Man, there's been a lot of good stuff for the state of Missouri, too. Yeah, that's true. Mizzou, you're on notice. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> so we want to hear from you. The mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. And, of course, you can send us your text. Are we ever going to get have it any better than what we've had, especially what we had in the last decade? It's hard to think that we will have a local situation because we aren't getting the NFL back. I'm mm. realistic about that. Hey, would it be cool? Yes, but it's it's just not going to happen. So is there going to be another St. Louis kid that's going to rise up and be a hero for the Cardinals in the World Series? And another St. Louis kid who's going to rise up and be a hero for the Blues as they head towards the Stanley Cup and then have the broadcasters doing it? It's just not going to happen. So, like Mike Martz used to say, special place and time. You have to savor it and enjoy it. And don't be depressed that it probably won't happen again. Savor the fact that it happened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I will never be depressed that... Yeah, that that it won't happen again because, hey, I, I, I've had a good run for as a sports fan here. My, my introduction to quality baseball was in 82. The Cardinals have been to the World Series not only then, but they went back in 85, 87, mm-hmm. 04, 06, 11, 13. It's been pretty cool. And then from a playoff standpoint, even though the Blues didn't win a Stanley Cup until last year, they've made the playoffs a lot in my lifetime. And from a football perspective – I saw that the best that the NFL will ever have to offer. The NFL has, you talk about reaching a peak. Yeah. They have reached the apex of their existence. And the apex of their existence was the early 2000s when you could still play defense and the Rams had the greatest offense in the history of the league. That 0-1 team was first in offense and fourth in defense. And it was real defense where people could tackle guys. So... We are going to see that again. As great as the Patriots have been, the football, the product hasn't been as good. So we got a chance to see that too. So are, have we seen the best? Yes, I think we've seen the best, that, especially that league, that sports has to offer to a community. I think it's also rare too that we're talking about those three teams and their championship runs and the moments that stand out to us. We not only got those St. Louis flair, all of those were dramatic moments when Pat Maroon in double overtime mm-hmm. scores yeah. the goal. David Freeze down to his last strike twice. The tackle, Mike Jones coming. How far was he? From a yard. A yard. I, I mean, you can't ask for anything better than that. All of those things combined. For me, the only missing piece of the puzzle is Illinois. I still am not over that. That's my biggest sports tragedy, to be in the national championship game and to and have a team like that and that 2005 Illinois basketball team and come so close and not get it, that one will always haunt me. So we just need Illinois basketball to come, to get a national what championship. What would Bob Costas say? 
Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. Can't, Bob. Here's a mic drop from Janet. I say, if you like Major League Sports and you want to see winners, come to the Midwest because we got them. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out, Janet. Absolutely right. Let's put that on a billboard. (laughs) Uh, From the 314, when we get our MLS franchise, how about an STL guy scoring a game-winning goal in the MLS Cup game for our team? Great call. And with the soccer talent we have here in St. Louis and that has come out of St. Louis, I could see that being Mm -hmm. a possibility. Definitely. That's going to happen. <laughs> Gosh, I can't wait for that team to take off. Yeah. Especially after what we saw with the Battle Hawks. St. Louis yeah. is going to love that soccer team. It's going to be fantastic. The last three years of Blues hockey have been their peak. The Cardinals had a solid peak. The only way up is for both to win in the same year, which is an interesting way to approach it. There haven't been many cities that have been... The Stanley Cup, Pittsburgh has had it, I think. Stanley Cup champions and Super Bowl or uh, World Series champions in the same year. That was, when did they do it? Maybe they they haven't. There have been a lot of team cities that have had the Super Bowl and World Series champs at the same time. I'm trying to think of, and I know it has happened, Stanley Cup and uh, World Series champs. I just have to think about it a little bit, but I will. We can get research on that, Randy. Yeah, it never happened for Montreal. Yeah, we'll have to get our research our research staff working on that. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, can you imagine if the Blues hoisted the cup potentially this year again, back-to-back champs, and then the Cardinals went on to win the World Series? Wouldn't that be fun? That would be amazing. It'd be great. It's Michelle, it's Randy, it's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And as we roll on, we've got You're Killing Me, Smalls. Stick around. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We mentioned our research staff. His <laughs> name is Tommy Freeze Pops Carroll, and he looked into the last time or times that cities had both the Stanley Cup champions and the World Series champions. Research department, what do you got for us? So it's happened three times. All of it was in New York City. 1928, New York Rangers and New York Yankees. 1933, New York Rangers and the New York Giants. And in 2000, if you want to count it, the New Jersey Devils with the New York Yankees. So only three times and it was all New York. Yeah, we'll count that. Okay. New Jersey, it's, it was New York Metro, right? Yeah, we'll count it. So that's Tri- good. Tri-state area, they call it up there. Yeah, that's very well done. Thank you. I mean, the Cardinals got to the NLCS last year, last season. They were close. Yeah, really close. Well, I mean, they got yeah. swept in the NLCS, so they weren't that close. But <laughs> By the way, is the uh, third state Connecticut? It is, yes. Okay. That's the tri- stepchild of New England. The tri-state area. I think Yankees <laughs> baseball <laughs> The Yankees baseball is brought to you by your tri-state Mercedes dealers, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, it's, it's something like that. New, yeah. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Tri-state area, yep. I bet New York and New Jersey are furious that Connecticut has put in the same conversation as them. So I'll never forget when I went to ESPN and I was moving to Connecticut, I was talking to Bernie about the Northeast and Freeze Pops, you can certainly speak to this. And he, you know, I had never been to Connecticut. I didn't really know what to expect from Connecticut. Bernie, being a Baltimore guy, was talking to me about what to expect up there. And he's like, you know, your family's from New Jersey. You know, New York has such a certain type of flavor. And New Jersey has a big personality. Baltimore has a big personality. He goes, all of these different states up there have kind of a jambalaya effect. You know, all these different spices to make it what it is. He goes, and then Connecticut is dry white 
toast. <laughs> and I, Connecticut I, is the ultimate drive-through state. It, That's what we call it in New England. Yes, and I, he couldn't have been more accurate in his description. <laughs> Connecticut <laughs> is dry white toast. Connecticut doesn't know who Connecticut is. They have nothing that they really identify with, right, Freeze Pops? I mean, nothing. No, you drive down the street, it's half Yankees fans, half Red Sox fans. They don't really have anything super indigenous to Connecticut other than maybe a certain type of lobster roll that they take pride <laughs> in. So when I barge in Midwest Michelle saying, I love St. Louis, you wouldn't believe all the great things that are happening in St. Louis. They thought it was so crazy because they don't really have that same sense of pride. <laughs> the only thing they had pride about was the Hartford Whalers, and that was ripped from them. Yes. <laughs> There's still grown men that cry about the Hartford well, Whalers. Oh I feel really God. bad for them. They still have merchandise in the airport. I bought they a Harper Whalers hat. Sick wow. gear. <laughs> Amazing. All right, time for your killing me, Smalls. Well, Randy, yesterday I told you a wild story involving Earl Thomas, his brother, both naked in a bed with a bunch of women during quarantine, stepping out on their wife, she and some of her girls rolling up with a gun and a knife and getting arrested. I mean, it was a really crazy story. But it seems like Earl Thomas and his wife are on pretty good terms, despite her being locked up for putting a gun to his head while he was, you know, essentially having an orgy with his brother and a bunch of women because he showed a diamond chain that she gifted him yesterday for his birthday. He turned 30. 31, and he took to social media to show off his new hardware. It's a diamond pendant, and it features a picture of Earl with his late grandfather, and it is iced out. So it seems like she may have forgiven him and spent some some pretty big coin to show how much she appreciates him. I'm thinking something like this had to be planned ahead of time. She, she had to get this made, and she probably, it probably worked out well timing-wise that she caught him and pulled the gun on him, even though he was cheating on her. But she, I would say the more egregious offense here is pulling the gun, having it less than a foot from his head. <laughs> so she's, and he does make a few bucks with the Ravens. So she's probably trying to make up with him a little bit. And yes, effective. But they were, she was arrested April 13th. Oh, right. I, okay. Good point. So it was about a month ago. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm imagining that the chain might have been in development at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Earl said stuff like this happens. You yeah. know, so maybe she is really just over this. So yesterday when the story broke on TMZ, Earl Thomas tweeted, please, no questions about the incident with my wife and brother. Respect our privacy. <laughs> Mark Ingram II, who we know is a smart aleck, we've seen him in the press conferences, the running back for the Ravens, and Thomas's teammate, <laughs> replies, Bro, no questions about your wife catching you and your brother banging the same chick? <laughs> then a gun gets involved? Nah, blanker, blanker, we got questions. <laughs> uh, tweet since deleted, but awesome. <laughs> we do have some questions, Earl. <laughs> Respect our privacy. You took to social media to discuss this. And then you took to social media to say stuff like this happens, man. And then you took to social media to flash your new chain. So if you're out there talking about it and you're out there flashing your gift from your wife who had a gun to your head when you were busted, yeah, we're going to have some questions. It's not like he's laying underground saying, I don't want to talk about this. Everyone leave me alone. I'm trying to rebuild my family. He's out there on social media. So you're subjecting yourself to these questions. Please respect our privacy. I love it. Well, yesterday, Randy, we talked about the anniversary of one of the greatest things we've ever seen in sports, and let's listen to it. Malone looking for his first hit of the year. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes Upton. Back near the wall. It's out of here. (laughs) Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout. 
as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. And there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. And I believe, by the way, that Gary Cohen, as that call continued, said, this is the greatest moment in the history of sports. <laughs> it might have been. And I love how he described Bartolo rounding the bases as a long try, because mm-hmm. I don't think he's hustling around the bases. <laughs> no. Well, anyway, Bartolo Colon, you know, great timing with the anniversary of that home run, because he's coming out with a book. The title of the book, Randy, is Big Sexy in His Own Words. And in his book, he uh, acknowledges how he got that nickname. He said, in 2015, Noah Syndergaard just started calling me Big Sexy. And the name stuck. I don't think I'm sexy, but the fans like the name, and I like it too. (laughs) Well, how can you not like that name? If you're a big guy and you have the name and it sticks, you you stick with it. Now, I wonder, with proceeds from the book, okay, everybody, we talked to John O'Leary earlier today. He's providing proceeds of uh, his new book, In Awe, to Big Brothers Big Sisters. Is Bartolo Colon going to use the proceeds from his book to take care of family A or family B? (laughs) Why not both? (laughs) I suppose he could. (laughs) One of the great double lives stories of all time. Yeah, He really is big sexy. I was just going to say, he certainly, he might not think he's sexy, but he's living up to his nickname, (laughs) right, Randy? (laughs) Okay, so we're all dying for some sort of sports, and even if it's a novelty-type sporting event, we're going to take it. Well... There's going to be a charity golf duel, if you will. We've got Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. A lot of star power there. And it's going to be called The Match, Champions for Charity. It's going to be carried live Sunday, May 24th on TBS, TNT, True TV, and Headline News. And you're hearing Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. We know the competition there. Obviously, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, a great rivalry on the field in the NFL. I think it's going to carry over to this match as well. You know, after Tom's... B and E arrest, uh, you know, with the ankle monitor, he couldn't leave the state, uh, so it had to be in Florida. Uh, Tiger and I talked to the sheriff in Tampa. He's going to be allowed to go to Palm Beach to play. Uh, I'll be honest, I've never played Tom very well on his home turf, and so maybe this is considered a neutral site. And I would have loved to have had this tournament in a place where they don't like Tom very much, Indianapolis. Denver, Boston, you know, after he just betrayed them and broke their hearts. So Palm Beach is the best we can probably do. Uh, Look, I think the teams are fair. I think, uh, you know, Phil chose the right partner and Tom together. You know, they have 11 championships. Tiger and I have 17, the way I count it, right, Tiger? Well, I just want to have a little fun with it. I actually thought I was going to be Tiger's partner. But then um, Peyton's dad called and, and switched the team. So <laughs> Bill and I decided to, to get together and see if we could we could uh, take him on. So I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, get out there. My golf isn't quite what it, it probably was at one point. But I got a good partner. And, uh, you know, we got some great competition. So it should be a lot of fun. That's great. Just when you thought Peyton Manning was taking the the W there with the B&E mm. and ab- about all the fan bases that hate Brady, he comes in with the line about Peyton Manning's dad. <laughs> Very strong. And at the beginning of it, uh, Phil is describing some of the things in the room that he's in during the Zoom meeting. And he says, from the previous match, he says, Tiger, you might not recognize this one. This is from our previous match. He got a little trophy for it. And uh, Tiger says, you know, it's kind of chilly here. And he leans over and he covers up with a green jacket. And he said, oh, that's a little bit warmer. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm definitely going to be locked into that, <laughs> aren't be you? Great. And the fact that it's on free TV or regular cable TV is better than the pay-per-view that they did before. Without a doubt. Thank you, Michelle. That was great. That was fun. That was uh, your killing me smalls here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to one of our favorites. Dan Schulman of ESPN is going to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line next with Randy and Michelle on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Since we don't have sports right now, we're airing a lot of classic games here on 101 ESPN. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, it's 2018 World Series Game 3, that epic 18-inning game between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. And Dan Schulman had the call on ESPN Radio. And fittingly, Dan Schulman joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and it's always good to hear the voice of Dan Schulman. How are you this morning, sir? Uh, well, I'm doing very well, but I'm a little dismayed to hear you're going to carry that game because I was really sick that game and actually didn't finish the World Series, didn't make it to Game 5. I came down with something on the flight. Uh, it was funny. I was sitting beside somebody on the plane who was coughing. You know, you look at these things in a different light now, but was coughing from Boston to L.A., and I got off the plane, and somebody who I work with was sitting in front of me. And he said, man, I hope you're okay. And I went, ah, don't be silly. It's fine. And I got as sick as I've ever been. And if you're airing our broadcast, the ESPN radio broadcast, it's not my finest moment. And, of course, the game goes 18 innings, right? So oh, when, when you're at your sickest and, like, the home run call is scratchy and terrible, so... I hope you guys still love me after you hear this podcast. Dan will always love you. And I remember I remember driving around that night and hearing your voice, and I must have gotten home and turned on the TV and didn't realize that uh, that you did not finish out. Has that ever happened to you at any other time? Uh, I've been sick twice. So in 2002, I believe it was right at the end of the regular season, I was in Anaheim, and again, I came down with some sort of a, I don't know what it was, and then uh, that one I couldn't talk for two or three days, but I had like three or four days between my last regular season game and my first playoff game, and I actually uh, got connected to the Angels team doctor. I just stayed in Anaheim because coincidentally I finished a game there and I was doing the playoffs there to start, and I went to see the Angels team doctor, and I don't know what he gave me, but I got to tell you, it worked, and it worked, it worked fast. Um, and, and then I had this time during the 2018 World Series. These are the only two times in 25, six years, whatever it's been. Um, but it, it still doesn't make me feel any better. Like having, you know, getting sick in the middle of the World Series, and, and people were really nice and sympathetic. You could see on Twitter and stuff like that, but I felt terrible about it. Well, Dan, we hope to hear you call in games soon, and we're reading all the various reports about hopefully getting an announcement soon about baseball ramping up their plan, announcing firm dates for the hopefully inevitable return of baseball. And what we're reading has various alignment propositions, realignment propositions. In your opinion, do you think this is something that baseball is looking at saying, okay, this is something that we need to do in 2020 to get this up and running, and then we'll go back to what is, quote, normal once society returns to quote normal or do you think this is something that we could see where the way that this is aligned and the way that baseball is constructed this could just be the future of the league uh no i I think we'll eventually let's assume next year things are relatively normal uh 2021 i mean i I think we'll go back to american league national league 
the, the divisions as we know them. But this year, let's say we do those three 10-team divisions, which is one of the things they're talking about. You're going to have to have a universal DH. I think that's one thing that'll change. I think we could see a universal DH this year, and it might just stay uh, after that. Um, but other than that, I think we'll probably get back to pretty much the way uh, that baseball has been uh, as we've known it. But you know what? Anything is on the table. And if something works, then I think they're going to take a serious look at it. But, you know, the, having an American League and having a National League is as you know deep a foundation as baseball has. And, and we've all heard the talk about, you know, if they expand to 32 teams, there could be massive change, massive realignment. I do think that's going to be a consideration down the road, but I think it would be unlikely, Michelle, for it to happen next year. The great Dan Schulman with us on 101 ESPN. And, Dan, uh, a lot of talk, and it seems like we're headed towards having spring training at home ballparks and playing games at teams' home ballparks. You are in Toronto. Will there be an issue with the border of Canada and the United States and the Blue Jays being able to get back and forth? That's an excellent question, Randy, and that's a uh, that's a very I don't know how many people south of the border, from my perspective, are, are considering that. So, a uh, tip of the cap to you. I think the answer is a very strong uh, possibility of yes, absolutely. That you might have twenty nine teams playing in their home ballparks, and you might have the Blue Jays playing in Dunedin, Florida, their spring training home. Uh, I've heard even sharing uh, Tropicana Field with Tampa Bay, which I don't think works. I think you want every team to have its own clubhouse, its own uh, training facilities, its own offices where only their people have gone. Obviously, because if somebody gets infected, then you can contact Trace and mitigate a little bit better. So uh, I think it's an excellent question. If you know, if the uh, Cardinals, who I think were supposed to come here this year for interleague play, if the Cardinals were to come to Toronto and you got to quarantine for 14 days, that obviously doesn't work. So uh, I think it's going to be case by case, but the Blue Jays uh, and the Toronto Raptors, if the NBA starts up again, not to mention the seven Canadian NHL teams, they're all going to be in a bit of a different situation. And the Blue Jays may be the one and only team that don't play uh, in their real facility if baseball gets going this year. Dan, as baseball's hopefully on the horizon, Randy, I, Randy and I have started revisiting some of the big storylines heading into the 2020 season, some things we were talking about in spring training, and none was really more prominent, especially on a national level, than the Houston Astros and their cheating scandal and the boos that they were getting from fans and the vitriol that other players around the league were you know, hauling at them. And Randy and I were talking in the break, and I don't wonder if, of course, there's not going to be fans in the stands, so they're not going to have to hear the boos, but if they kind of dodged a major bullet here because I wonder how many players are still really hanging on to that as we return to baseball and how many just want to get back to their daily lives and aren't going to necessarily be feeling those negative feelings towards the Astros. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think because there are so many larger things going on in the world that people's energy or appetite for booing the Astros won't be quite as much. And as you say, there aren't going to be fans there anyway. And I would, I wouldn't think all season. Um, even if we do get baseball, I'd be shocked if we see fans in the stands at all uh, at any point this season. And by the time next year rolls around, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think some people will have forgotten about it. They'll get booed a little bit, but I don't think it'll be 2% of what they would have gotten had there been a regular season this year. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure any Astro would say on the record, man, I'm glad this happened because it kind of gets us out of the crosshairs, but it, it does kind of get them out of the crosshairs, that's for sure. Dan, as we have watched baseball over the years, we've obviously seen dramatic change in what is expected from a starting pitcher. If we have a three-week spring training, we're going to see 
even a more dramatic change in what is expected of a starting pitcher, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're going to see expanded rosters. Um, so let's say there's no minor leagues this year. Uh, each team, whether the number's 40, 45, 50, I think they'll have a larger group of players available to them. Uh, and maybe some will be down at their spring training facilities. Maybe they'll all be in the major league city. I don't know. Uh, but the, the rosters will be expanded. So say you have 45 and, you, and you're allowed to put 30 of them on a, on a roster for any given game, or you're allowed to um, designate, maybe it's only 25, but you, you have a pool of 30 or 32 you can pull from and another 15 or 20 down at your minor league system. Uh, and I think you're right, Randy. We're going to see all kinds of different things. Um, we're not going to see guys going seven innings at the beginning of the year. We might not see guys going seven innings at any point. I think we'll see a lot of piggybacking where you can bring in one guy for three or four innings and another guy for three innings, and then you get to your setup man and your closer if you've got the lead. I I think pitching staffs will be larger. I think uh, usage will be less even than we've come to know it in recent years. If I'm the Players Association, I don't want anybody getting hurt who's not supposed to get hurt, and uh, I think they're going to have to take care of people. It's going to be strange. It's not going to be baseball as we know it. In some ways, it'll probably... Uh, be lacking a little bit, but we'll all be so happy to have it back that we won't care uh, if if it's a 15-man pitching staff or six pitchers are in the game. It'll be interesting. I wonder if they keep the three-man, the three-batter rule in. Like the three-batter rule was was coming in. I, I don't, I'm not sure you can. They might have to push that off for one year. I, I think you've got to do uh, everything that you can to make sure that players can uh, can avoid injuries as best they can. And we just have to accept the best version of baseball that we can get if we get it because it beats the alternative. Dan, we've all been very locked into The Last Dance, ESPN's docuseries on Michael Jordan, especially in the absence of sports. It's been kind of the Super Bowl every weekend, everyone watching yeah. it. And ESPN announced that they are debuting some new 30 for 30s in the in the coming weeks. And one of those in June is going to be Long Gone Summer, which chronicles Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and that home run race. When you think about that time and that particular race and that moment in baseball history, what's something that comes to your mind or maybe a, sh- a story that you can share with us? Well, I, I think about, uh, in hindsight, how naive I was, I guess. You know, I think we look at it differently, and I'm sure this feature will not shy away from the steroid angle. Uh, but I called a bunch of those games. I called several of their of each of their home runs that year, and I don't remember going to the ballpark and saying to myself, well, this is tainted or I'm suspicious. And, and maybe I was just naive or clueless, but I, I don't remember – that I don't remember thinking that in the moment. I know there were little whispers. I know there had been discussions, but I don't remember it being my dominant thought during that time. I just remember people going crazy, like crazy, watching highlights each and every night. Did he hit one? Did he hit one? And I did, I think, I want to say, I might be wrong here, but I, I think I did the Friday night game. The Cardinals finished at home that year, right? Um, they did. I think they're finally, yeah. I think I did the Friday night game of the last series. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I think I did the Friday night game. Um, and, and just remember you know, how hectic and exciting everything was within ESPN because plans were changing on the fly. We're going to pick up this game. We're going to pick up this game. We're going to send you here. We're going to send you there. And, and it was, you know, this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. So uh, I'll be very interested to watch it to see how much I've forgotten. 
about what happened in 1998 and to see, you know, how it's looked upon now, 22 years later, and how differently than it was back then. And and I know, listen, I, I'm not saying there weren't other people, smarter people than me, who were more up on this and what was really going on than I was. I just don't remember in the moment being that in tune with all the allegations that came out later. And, and in hindsight, obviously, I should have been. Hey, Dan, before we let you go, one of the things that I, I'm proud of is that I've had some interns, I've had some producers that have done uh, pretty well that, that I've worked with. And I thought it was very cool that you and Jay Billis got together yesterday for that discussion for young broadcasters to talk about the chemistry between a play-by-play man and his, uh, his analyst. And you really do a great job of paying it forward for young broadcasters, and I want to commend you on that. Well, I appreciate that. It, it was first of all, it was really fun to do. Dave Gorin's a great guy, and um, you know, I told my wife when I went downstairs after I done, she said, "How was it?" I said, "Actually, it was great. Like these, we had fifty people on who had registered, and they all do what we do. Like so, the questions were excellent. I thought the discussion was excellent, um, and it was it was really nice to see. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned that because since yesterday, two of the people who were on there have emailed me. Uh, and I do a lot of it. I, I had a couple of people who really took an interest in me when I was 23, 24 years old, when I didn't know what I was doing. And from that moment on, and I guess I, I, I give credit to my parents for this, I guess, for, you know, instilling these kinds of values in, in, in me. Like I said, I, I will pay it forward to whoever asks. And there were three or four guys on there yesterday who I've already, you know, gotten to know. And a couple more emailed me yesterday. And you know, you, you try to help. All you can do is give, you know, the best feedback that you can give, whether it's positive or constructive. And I, I really enjoyed yesterday. I thought there were some great questions. And, you know, like Eric Reed, the voice of the Miami Heat, was on there. Matt LaPay, Wisconsin Badgers, was on there. West Durham from the ACC Network was on there. Like guys I've known for a long, long time and who have had great careers, too. And it, it was uh, it was really interesting just to hear everybody's questions and, and because we all do the same thing, right? It doesn't matter if we do it nationally, locally, radio, TV, college, pro. We all do the same thing, and, and I thought it was a really enjoyable conversation. I did it. Dan Schulman, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. Stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you soon. All right. Same to you guys. Hope so. Thank you. That is Dan Schulman of ESPN joining us here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Great guy. Another great guy. Another great Dan. Dan McLaughlin. We're headed wow. to the crossover next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up in just a few minutes here on 101 ESPN as we head down the stretch of the first week of Carriker and Smallman. Danny Mac has uh, the show coming up. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great, guys. Uh, happy weekend. Uh, after the next hour, I'll have a week of radio under my belt, so hopefully you can get through the next hour. Looking forward to it. What is the cap that you wear? What is the, the logo of the cap that you wear? I, is it, it looks like a headdress. And is it an it is, Indian headdress? Okay. It, it was a golf hat that I picked up down in Florida. I was playing golf, and I can't remember was the place. No, it wasn't oh, Seminole. I have played Seminole. I know though. you told me about it. Kind it of snooty there, huh? It was ridiculous how hard it was. And I'm an okay golfer. But, but the people, I know you're a good golfer. You're not an okay golfer. You're a good golfer. But I'm more interested in the snooty people at Seminole. That was interesting. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. But uh, um, I know some Biff, members Biff there. Biff and well, there, there was, you know, I know some members there. They're very nice people. Uh-huh. So I'm not here to judge, Randy. I'm just okay. here to talk radio, okay? <laughs> I'm not here to judge, nor will I. Yeah, it was a little snooty for a few of the people, but not all of them, okay? 
Not all of them. Dan, you travel place to play. all the time. What's the what's your favorite course that you've played while you're traveling? Ooh, man. Um, you played Pebble, right? No, that's the one wow. place I have not played that I really want to play. Olympic was pretty awesome out in California. Mm-hmm. Um, where's the place that they had the open? It's a public course up in uh, up in New York. Um, come on, help me out here. Uh, Beth Page Black. Black. Beth Page Black. Thank you. Played that. Now I played that right after the open. We played it from the tips, and I shot about a two hundred. And it was the most ridiculously hard course I had ever played in my life. Wow. They have a warning sign on number yeah. one well, for the tips. You know what's kind of cool is that you roll, it's public. So you roll into the lot, and there's literally guys that, so you walk, okay? They have caddies. And this is how the caddies, though, are not employees of the golf course. So it really truly is like Happy Gilmore, okay? <laughs> so you roll up and you're like, hmm. Yeah, you look all right. Come on, you want to do this? Carry my bag. Let's do it. It was it was the most surreal experience to have that happen. It was really cool. It was a neat experience. It was fun. I got golf coming up on the show, by the way. Oh, what are we talking? So I started thinking, when is the first really true live major sporting event we're going to have? Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's going to be golf. Mm-hmm. And so May seventeenth is is going to be the time when we have. And I know that that the the new one is out that you guys talked about with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, but they've got the one coming up on the seventeenth that's going to be put on the Golf Channel and NBC Sports, and that's for COVID nineteen relief. And so I want to talk about that. And a lot of people now during the pandemic are playing a ton of golf because they can get out. Courses haven't been closed, so mm-hmm. Jay Delsing changes their hours. Yeah, it's a um, it's a look at how they're going to do it with television. How do you social distance in golf? And I think they can do it, and it might be only one of the only sports that we have because you will not have fans, but yet you do have p- the potential of social distancing in that sport. So get on board. If you don't like golf, it might be the only thing you're watching live. We talk about the absence of fans and how that might affect certain players. I wonder if it doesn't benefit golfers to not have fans there. I'm going to ask Jay Delsing that, you know, because you think about guys feeding off the crowd in all sports, but golf is kind of like the quote-unquote gentlemanly mm-hmm. sport where you're not supposed to go wild. Now, that would be different when you're talking about Tiger, you know, rolling on the back nine at Bell Reeve, which was just incredible watching the roars of the crowd. But how does it affect golf? And I, I think it is interesting to, to to look at that viewpoint of it and how it's going to be presented on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, normally these guys are stuck inside towers and trucks, and it's a really hard broadcast to do. So how are we going to be able to do that and how it will be uh, presented on television? Michelle and I were talking earlier about the PGA, and we were posted up in the bleachers at number 10. For the afternoon for Tiger. We see him tee off. He gets out to 13, 14, 15, and you can hear the roar of the crowd. And then you have the TV delay, and you look at the giant screen. Seven seconds later, you see the shot that he hit. Yes. And it it really was different than the roar for any other golfer. I was in Kansas City doing the the game with the, the Royals and the Cardinals. It was a Sunday afternoon, obviously. And I had on my iPad the CBS Sports or PGA app or whatever it was. And they always have those selected groups that you can follow. And so Tiger's in contention. So I literally did not watch anything of the baseball game. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's ball one. Oh, my God, look at that shot he just hit. I can't believe I mean, for anybody that's played Bell Reeve, the shot that he hit on nine, 
was the most yeah. remarkable shot I have ever seen in my life because I think we've all had a chance to at least walk the course or play it. And he's over by like the workstation and near the fence, and he hooked it out of the rough and curls it in and puts it from eight, you know, to eight feet and drops the putt. And I thought, oh my God, he's he's going to do this. He's going to win. And that was so cool to see it. And that's where the roar of the crowd and and Bell Reeve, as you guys know, is kind of in a in a space that. The, the sound is held in that particular mm-hmm. area of our town. So when the crowd roars, man, you hear it. So it's really, really cool. I was really surprised to see a listing. I'm looking for Are it you now. zipping down your pants? No, what no. is that? I mean, I hear <laughs> a zipper here. going down. I, I, I've got a thing from the St. Louis Business Journal where they rated the most difficult courses in town. Here it is. And I was really surprised that Bell Reeve was number two. And the toughest course rated in St. Louis is... Uh, the toughest course is Fox Run Golf Club. I was surprised, but that Bell Interesting. kills me, and not the Fox Run isn't tough. But I was really surprised that Bell Reeve wasn't the toughest course in town. Well, the interesting thing about Bell Reeve during that PGA Championship is that the greens weren't quite as slick as they normally would be, and they've improved that. I know that in talking with some folks over there, because I, I love golf. I'm going to talk about it in, in the show. I love to play it. I love to follow it. I have the golf channel on every single day at my house, so I watch it. And they weren't rolling quite as fast as as normal. You know, it's normally like ice. And then they let the rough grow out. And if you're a little bit left or right, you know, trying to get out of that rough can be tough. So um, it's a neat place, though. I mean, it's got so much history. And and, uh, I would be shocked if we don't see something major coming through at Bell Reeve in probably 2024, 25, something like that. And I think it would be a magnificent spot. Was And this was mentioned last year or a couple of years ago after the PGA. It would be a fantastic Ryder Cup spot. President's oh. Cup. Yep. That would be pretty cool. I can tell you this. When Kepka won and they were having dinner afterwards and, and the media obligations were done and people were kind of hanging out and they're in a private area, my understanding was the PGA Tour said, we have to get back here because the numbers were so big and the money was so big. Always follow the money right. in, in all walks of life. But they sold so much merchandise. They kept the tents open the next day. I mean, it was just a huge success. And the reaction of the St. Louis sports fan. And that's what, you know, we've got the Ascension Charity Classic coming up uh, later this summer on the what was, you know, the senior of event, now the Champions Tour. And that could be maybe the only live event we have in St. Louis this summer. I'm going to talk to Jay about that. Can I also plug something? Sure. Too? Okay, tonight at Channel 2. Um, at 6.30, we have, uh, we're calling it Legends for the Lou. It's myself, Jay Delsing, Ozzie Smith, uh, Bernie Federko. And Channel 2 has been very kind to give us a half hour. And we did a Zoom with all these guys talking about their greatest moments. And every uh, dime, every dollar that's raised goes to Operation Food Surge here in St. Awesome. Louis. So if you have a chance to donate, I understand there's very tough times. If you have the ability to donate, please do so. Um, we'll have that show at 6.30. It'll get replayed on Channel 11 over the weekend. But for every dollar raised, that means $10 in food at Operation Food Search. So we're going to raise a bunch of money, thousands of dollars. Already has been donated by Ascension, Ascension Charity mm-hmm. Classic. I think Emerson is going to step up. So if you have the ability, please do so. Thank you for doing it. You bet. Happy Mother's Day to your mom and to Libby this weekend. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> You're very welcome. What yeah. should I do? You any, you any help for me? 
Um, Michelle has Michelle? determined that breakfast in bed is not the play. So I was listening to the Rizzuto show, and they were saying it seems luxurious, but the reality of it doesn't match what you think it's going to be. Plus, the food that I'd make would suck. So what's <laughs> the point? And then she'd have to eat it and go, oh, thanks a lot, but really doesn't want it. Right. So well, i got to get something good. Curbside, man. We, we've got great curbside That is here. a good idea. Yeah. And, and that works in your favor because you can just present it on a plate as if you made it. <laughs> Hide the bags. Really good idea. I've been up all, all <laughs> night and early this morning. Look at what I... Get out of here. You, done you can't even make a bowl of ice cream. That's the way it goes. Have a great weekend. You can make a bowl of ice cream. Yeah, I can. <laughs> Scoops. Yeah. <laughs> you got Scoops with Danny Mac. You and got it. Congratulations on a great f- first week of your you show too. here on 101 ESPN. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Fun. That's Danny Mac. Scoops with Danny Mac coming up. Great job today by our producer, Tommy Freeze Pops Carol. Also, Colin Surrey, our board op. Michelle, as always, you were wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Have a great weekend. And thanks for tuning in and texting in and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday at 7 a.m. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.